0: And I I do think about that sometimes like, you know, if I'm trying to tell somebody how to replicate this, how do I tell them to do that? I I think the answer is volume, you know, network on, on volume and put yourself out there. And the more people you meet, the more deals you do, the more you insert yourself out there. You know, the opportunity exists to meet the rich Trepaniers, the Stuart Dukemans
1: and the Candace Pilgrims of the world. What's going on, guys? This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show. Thank you for tuning in. This is the show that helps you escape the Wall Street casino and get your investments into Main Street real estate, real property, real cash flowing assets. That's what we're all about here today. Our guest is Jeremy Porto from Astra Equity. Jeremy is a friend of mine who is an extremely successful real estate investor. He started investing in real estate pretty actively while he was also active duty military And then he's since been discharged. We talk about some of his experiences uh, in there. And then also what he's doing today with his current partnership, his current group, they're out there, JVing, buying apartment buildings, 20 units, 24 units, 40 units, and now they're going even bigger, doing great things. And this is what it's all about. We get into forming partnerships, finding the right people, finding the money, all that great stuff so if you're somebody you're out there you are busy you think you can't do it you can't invest in real estate you can't find the time jeremy did it he did it while he was active duty military and i know many others out there who have done real estate investing while active duty military as well so it can be done let's get rid of those limiting beliefs and you're going to learn how to do it today how to build those partnerships and how to scale up if you're new to the show take a quick second go to your favorite podcast app Look up the Passive Wealth Strategy Show. Give us a subscribe, and that way you'll get every new episode straight to your mobile device every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. And we're going to help you get your money out of the Wall Street casino and get it into real assets. If you do enjoy the show, please take a quick second, go to the Apple Podcasts app, give us a rating and review, five stars if you don't mind. I ask that because it helps us get higher in the Apple algorithm rankings. It helps other people learn and hear about the show. It helps us spread this message of investing in real estate and helps us grow the tent. It also helps me feel great because I get to see all the nice things you guys have to say, and I certainly appreciate it. A little bit about me. I'm your host, Taylor Lote. I'm a real estate investor. I'm a real estate syndicator. I buy real estate with passive investors and split the return. Love talking to Jeremy. He's a great guy to talk with and learn from, and he's got so much awesome experience that he is sharing uh, really great taste of today. He's got so much more that we don't get into uh, and, and you're going to learn so much. And there's even more to be picked up about building teams, scaling, growing as a real estate investor and getting it done all while you're busy. Without any further ado, here we go with Jeremy. Jeremy, thank you for joining us today.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad to be here. We're finally doing this with you.
1: Yeah, no kidding. It's been a little while uh since we talked, you know, from from COVID and all that stuff and you have such a, a really awesome background and so many fantastic accomplishments we're going to get into. For our listeners, can you tell us a bit about what your background is and and what you've done as a real estate investor?
0: Yeah, definitely. I started real estate investing when I was in the Air Force. I spent uh 9 years as a, a special ops pilot and I actually I tore my Achilles while I was in pilot training. And so I had six months to recover before I can go back to pilot training. And this was during the time of like home time and all those home improvement shows. And so I went and got a bunch of books. I went to the library, if that kind of dates where that was, and I just started reading. and. Of course, the easy thing at the time, I mean, I was just out of college, the easy thing was single family. And ironically, I i read uh, Larry Loftus' book, uh, Duplexes, Triplexes, and Quads early on, and that really held my attention. So I knew I wanted to get into small multifamily early, but I knew nothing about multifamily, like large multifamily early. So while I was in, I started buying single family rentals, uh, doing single family flips, bought a couple of duplexes fourplexes and if you kind of fast forward a little bit that's that's kind of what's sustaining me now is is that portfolio of fourplexes that I've bought along the way I'm constantly buying and selling them so I think right now I've got I think I've got 10 right now and 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 I love them cuz they're kind of that borderline between residential property and commercial property and so you can kind of take advantage of Whichever they're you know, whichever way makes it more advantageous for you. So, uh, you know, when I'm when I'm buying, I, I usually buy as a as a uh, a residential buyer so that I can get a comp method going and, and pay less. But then when I sell, I try to sell as like a commercial seller where I'm looking at the income and kind of make more. So, um, was doing the four plexes for a while. Got spun off into some meth house flipping and (laughs) chinese drywall flipping and all that kind of stuff so i definitely enjoy i am a deal junkie in a sense but then about three four years ago i definitely started focusing on larger multifamily and picked up a it's still small but a 13 unit that has done phenomenally for me Um, i just actually cash out refinance got all my money back after two and a half years and cash flowing really nicely now and fast forward A little bit past the middle there because it was kind of slow going for a while. I I met my three partners that I have now. We formed Astra Equity, and it's been a little bit of a whirlwind since then. We didn't – I never saw myself fully partnering with with a group permanently i kind of envision doing things on my own and partnering as needed you know in different deals when i needed something we came together on the first deal it was super easy we did the second deal is still easy third deal it was still easy and and finally we said look we we should make this permanent and we did and that's where we're at now and and so the, the it was a 20 unit 24 unit 40 unit and and we are looking hopefully for that exponential growth and so you know what we put out there now is that we're we're after 75 plus units, and you know our our goal is buy buy
1: buy right now, which is not happening, but <laughs> that's the goal. Buy buy for value and and growth potential and all that great stuff. And there were a couple things in there that I want to highlight before we get away from them. It's how you were investing while you were you were active duty, and you're no longer you're you're out now, right? And mm-hmm. I want to make Correct. sure we cover those things as well. Yeah. Yeah, my
0: my wife is still active. Um, which, by the way, I, I slight aside here. I absolutely love if, if you are a married couple, uh, one one of you is uh, a real estate professional, like by the tax definition, and one of you is a W two earner. You've got the stability of the W two earner, and you've got the tax benefits of the real estate professional. So that is our situation. I absolutely love that. And I love my wife too. (laughs) And, and, uh, so yeah, she's still in, I I, I'm out. I I was, I was investing on a, on a much smaller scale when I was in, obviously my focus of the time was, was flying in in the air force. So
1: I, I did maybe a handful of deals, uh, in a year while I was still in. Well, that's great. I mean, you did a lot of, uh, big things and and built that momentum while you were still in, right. And, And I mean, some folks have, a lot of folks really have that a hard time doing just the one while they're actively working, whether military or not, it's hard to get past that initial, you know, step to to do number one, let alone the substantial number that you did uh, while you were while you're in the military. Now, in your current group or, or company, your organization, how are you all? Uh, how are you organizing, coming together amongst your partners and closing these deals? The big thing right now in real estate space seems to be syndication, which is you know what I do, and you. I know you've been involved with syndications as well, but that's not what you're doing, at least as far as I know. So, how are you doing it? Right. So, I think a lot of
0: myself included, I am 100% in this category. A lot of people get caught up with the syndication bug like, oh, you make so much money when you syndicate real estate. And I don't necessarily disagree with that, but I think the focus is a little wrong there. I think the focus is should be multifamily is where you make the money i think i think multifamily is the goal and syndication is one of the routes to get there if you don't have a lot you know your own capital to place you can do deals with you know minimal or even zero in cases uh capital you kind of find the capital partners but we are we are kind of going down the path so far of of joint venture and the four of us are very fortunate to have the capital to place you know in, into real estate and into large deals but our primary goal when we're sourcing deals is let's find a good multifamily deal and just like you f- figure out every other piece of it we figure out is this ripe for a joint venture which we hope it is because that's the easiest let's be honest and if it's not is it okay to to do a syndication in it and I don't mean is the deal good or not good I mean that you know there's there's a tons of other factors that that go into what would make it a, a good joint venture or not, you know, I'll be, you know, if you're expecting a high, if you're expecting a higher uh, reward, you're probably taking on a little more risk. I would probably like to put that deal in a joint venture where I'm risking my own money. Whereas if the deal is, I mean, any real estate deal entails risk, but if it's maybe on the lower side of risk, I I would probably like to see that deal in a syndication. And then let's be honest. If the deal is just of a certain size, um, it would take too many JV partners coming together do it as a joint venture and and it would almost necessitate uh, a syndication so multifamily first and then figure out how to
1: actually you know close that with the capital yeah so one of the big um questions when putting together any group of people to take down a a deal anytime money's involved right it's you want to make sure you're working with the right people right you're partnering up with with the right people and interests are aligned and all of that now i know one of your partners, Stuart, who's not been on the show, but I, I know him. I don't know your other partners, but mm-hmm. and it, it's not too surprising to me that you guys came together. You're in the same area. You're both great guys, so that's awesome. But I mean, how do you yourself, and then amongst amongst the the four of you, how do you decide that? Hey, this is right. Let's go take down a deal. Take down number one before you get to numbers two, three, and then you know to infinity and beyond. Yeah. I I would take a step back
0: and and look at the team first. I know you were kind of honing in on on the deal, but the reason I said before that I did not see myself getting into a partnership like this in a permanent way, and I think a large part of the reason that I did get into this partnership with with these other three was because they all brought something that I didn't have or didn't do well, and I, I think sometimes people get in a partnership where hey, you do it and I do it. And if there's two of us, that makes more of us. And I I actually think that's, I can't say always, but I think usually that does not work well because there's no complementary skills. So uh, I'll introduce you to my team real fast. You know, there's there's Stuart who you already mentioned. He lives very close to me. We call him the business guy. He's been in business uh, in a lab, he's run and and set up a labor finding business. He's been in that for I think it's twenty years or so and built that from scratch. He he understands a lot of the law stuff. He understands. Hey, we're getting ourselves into a place that we don't want to be. Let's let's get this attorney involved. Here's how we do that. He knows a lot more about business than any of us do, and we rely on him a lot for that. Um, we have Rich Trepanier. Uh, he's in Austin, Texas. He, he runs Gage Multifamily Services. You know, when guys talk about multi uh, value add multifamily, he's the guy that's doing this. He, his company renovates multifamily. That's all they do. And he is good at it. He's been doing it for 15 years in Austin. And so we have that expertise on the team. I mean, that's great. And then Candace Pilgrim is our, our other partner. She's, she's in Birmingham, which is one of our two markets, Birmingham and, and Huntsville. And she is really keen on the detail. She has all the connections in that area. I mean, it's incredible. Like, I'll talk to somebody, and they'll mention a name or an apartment, and Candace goes, oh, yeah, I toured that last year. Or, oh, yeah, I I, I met the owner. Or, oh, yeah, I know the broker that did that deal. Or, I mean, it, it's incredible how much she is connected in that area. And then, like I said, she does the asset management. So her her attention to detail and her just willingness to dive deep into something is is huge. So – I would I would not do this partnership if we didn't each cover something different. And so then to get to the question of, that you actually asked me, <laughs> <laughs> which was about the real estate, I, I think it's important that you have your your criteria set. And you know, it's it's okay to deviate outside of that a little bit. But I think when you get good at a certain, you know, something that fits in your box, you can do it well. And that allows you to be competitive, I think, when you're when you're looking at other deals, because you know where you can stretch on something or where you absolutely should not stretch. And and it really allows you to kind of get really nitty gritty on, on what you're doing there. And that's important, especially in the market right now that we're in.
1: Yeah. So I think... Uh... I appreciate the answer about the team and the roles that you all fill. I think that's one of the things where, you know, now where we where we sit and we're talking is we have the benefit of hindsight, right? So we can go back and kind of deconstruct, you know, why this team works. You know, here are the roles that everybody yeah. fills, which is what everybody brings to the table, but, you know, forward-looking or if we, if we rewind time and pretend we didn't have the benefit of hindsight... Mm-hmm. How do you really? How did you like decide? Hey, we need uh, uh, a law guy that knows when we need to, you know, uh, uh, call a lawyer. We need somebody who's really good with asset management. We need somebody who's really good with construction. Uh, how do you decide these are the roles that need to be filled in the team? And then I think almost, almost more importantly, is how do you find the right person to fill those roles?
0: Well, I'll start with the second piece. I have no idea. I feel so <laughs> lucky that that these people came into my life, and I, I do think about that sometimes. Like, you know, if I'm trying to tell somebody how to replicate this, how do I tell them to do that? I, I think the answer is volume. You know, network on on volume and put yourself out there, and the more. People you meet, the more deals you do, the more you insert yourself out there. You know, the opportunity exists to meet the rich Trapaniers, the Stuart Dukmans, and the Candace Pilgrims of the world. And so, I, I don't know that that was my intent the whole time, but I did it, and I think I'm lucky I did it because I did wind up with 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 great partners. How, how did I? How did we decide that these roles were the ones that were needed? Again, that was a bit of luck. I mean, in in hindsight, I can say, well, this makes total sense. But I think. Looking forward, I I I don't think I would have known it. I know that's not a great answer. So I will say it was important that the three of us we did those three deals before we came together. We were in the middle of the third one when we when we formed Astra. And the idea was not to jump into bed in a permanent way before we really knew how we interacted and got along and were able to close deals and all that. So kind of feeling it out and testing it out. I mean, there's nothing wrong with doing a deal, you know, on a single deal basis before you decide, Hey, we're
1: going to do this in a permanent way. Yeah, no, I think, I think that answer makes a lot of sense though. I mean, I I don't remember when we originally met, but I know it was years ago. And Mm -hmm. I know I met Stuart, I think two and a half years ago at a Michael Blanc event and talked with him. I think you had reached out to me through through my website or something, but you know the 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 kind of deeper lesson there is, you know, both of you guys. I'll speak because I only know the two of you. You are both involved in the community, meeting, make as many connections as you can, trying to add value to others, and and looking, not knowing maybe exactly what the end goal was going to look like, but out there seeking like the right people to go do that first deal with is is the way it seems to me. You know, you're putting yourself in the best rooms with some of the best people and trying to hunt down who is is really the right fit without knowing exactly who that person is, remaining open-minded while being in the right places. is the way it seems to me. I I think that's a great way to say it. Everybody says this and that is that,
0: you know, it's a relationship business. And I believe that's absolutely true. And Problems get solved by people and and whether that's, you know, somebody who can connect you with somebody else, somebody that's got capital, somebody that has an experience or knowledge that you don't have, you know, whatever that is, you know, all of these problems get solved through people. And, and by the way, Rich and Candace, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we're in, in Houston for a multifamily investor network. And so, you know, we're, we're still doing that kind of stuff. And, you know, obviously not as much over the last year with, with COVID,
1: but, you know, I, I'm excited about ramping that up again. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think the reason it's important to, to make sure that, you know, we die, we kind of dig into that is because, you know, it's, it wasn't accidental that, you know, you, you weren't just out there floating around, you know, talking to people at the grocery store and neither was Stuart and neither were your other partners. You're in the right rooms, talking to the right people and trying to find that connection. And that is a, I think an important, um, important distinction to draw. Um, so, you know, as you're going and closing deals, bringing, you know, all your, your partners to the table, next big piece to figure out is, okay, you have a deal, you have the people, where are you going to find the rest of the money? You're bringing your own money to the table, but how are you going, how are you going to, you know, leverage it? And what kind of lenders are you going to work with? How are you financing your deals and and what kind of lenders do you prefer to work with? Yeah. Um, I
0: can speak right now about <clears throat> credit unions, I think are a great option Um, there, there are pros and cons to all of your different lending choices when it comes to the terms that we've been given over the last three deals, they were on par with agency. One of the biggest uh differences might be the fact that these deals, these uh the deals that we did with the credit union were recourse loans. Um, and so when we sign on those loans, we are fully guaranteeing, you know, that loan. It is unlike agency where the non-recourse loan, as long as you don't break rules or violate any of the, the bad boy carve-outs, you know, you're not fraudulent, you're not, you know, you're you're following all the protocol that they set ahead of time. As long as you don't violate any of that stuff, if the business plan fails, you can hand the keys back and walk away and it's not without consequence you're probably not going to get an agency loan for a little while but um it, it is a far more comforting position to be in to know that you're not on the hook for that money if the business plan doesn't work whereas even if we do everything right with these three deals that we've done if the business plan doesn't work we're on the hook and and we've talked about that you know we're coming out of pocket you know from our other deals or other businesses and to to support uh the debt service on this so did you want to talk about like details on what those terms were and you we can kind of compare and contrast?
1: Yeah. I mean, another big aspect that, that you, I don't think you, well, you didn't mention is uh, like prepayments and, you know, all of that, like prepayment uh, penalties and everything. Like, what do the terms look like there? Yeah. Uh, zero zero prepay- zero prepayment penalty on this credit union loan
0: which is great because that that affords uh, a tremendous amount of flexibility we got a 10-year term and and you know if you did that in the agencies you'd have you'd have some serious prepay if you were to sell it in year two three four it would be serious to the point where it might preclude you from selling you might not be able to because it just wouldn't make sense financially ironically there's you know the first deal that we bought it was only 20 units it's going phenomenally well we have given some thought to selling it at the year mark, uh, you know, for tax purposes, and it, you know it's small. It'd be nice to get that off the off the table and be ready to 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 jump in the next larger thing. But we wouldn't really be able to do that if that was done with agency loan. If there was a, even a step down, which is probably one of the better ones, it, it, we still would have um, taken a beating on that to the point where we probably wouldn't have sold. We could sell that right now and pay zero for the prepayment. I I would also I'll speak generally about you know the other terms you know the the leverage that you can get the whether it's loan to cost or loan to value getting renovation dollars the amortization the agency you know, everybody talks so favorably about okay 30 year am which i love that's great and they talk about you can get up to 80% and you can get you know renovation dollars included in there but especially right now i mean that is the best that you can get and that is not always what you get sometimes you know those those better terms are based on a lower leverage which then hurts cash flow, or maybe doesn't work for your business plan or whatever the case may be. We are, we're getting 80% loan to cost so we can roll renovation dollars in we're getting 12 months interest only. If you look at that, you know, on an agency, you can get those terms. And in fact, you can get a little better. You can probably get three years or plus of, of IO. I heard somebody talking about a deal in Austin that was getting five to seven years of IO and I'm, I'm I'm sure they're paying for it, maybe an interest rate, but you know, maybe they get a little bit better but that is the best that you're going to get and that is not always the case it it's the perfect market it's the perfect deal it's you know because it's probably a really good price you know to make it a perfect deal to make sure the debt service coverage ratio is where it needs to be and so i don't often see those kinds of terms right now coming out of the agencies and and let's not forget that covid has added in all these reserves that you've got to pay. Now I've been I've been really impressed. People have been creative and kind of wrapped that into their capex budget. So if they imagine they might get those reserves back in year at the end of year 1, you know, maybe they're just kind of delaying their capex plan. So if they need a million dollars and 500 is tied up in in reserves, they have the first 500 that they'll put into capex and then at the year mark they'll get their covid reserves back and be able to put those to use but that's a timing game and that's there's no guarantee you get that back at the one-year mark and it would just be easier and, and more flexible if you didn't have to deal with that we didn't we didn't have to deal with that uh those covid reserves that was not that was not something that we had to put into place um and there is a small element i mean i think people overplay this sometimes but there is a small element of We know our lender like I call him and we talk about, you know, we always talk about something first before we talk about the deal, um, because I like him. He's a nice guy. And I'd like to think he thinks the same of me. (laughs) Um, But, you know, on our third deal, he dropped you know it was small but he dropped the interest rate a little bit for us which was great he was already giving us a we, we got 3.75 on the first two deals and the third one he said you know we've been doing a couple of deals together I'd, I'd like to see us keep working together you know we could do 3.7 on this one and you know it's not huge but you know that's that's better than 3.75 um so i i, I am a real huge proponent right now of credit unions people i think people get so excited about it's called agency and therefore it must be good that they just kind of forget the details sometimes. So if I was given the choice, you know, I, I, obviously I would run both scenarios. But my guess is nine times out of ten, right now, that our credit union is going to beat an agency lender in total in
1: the total package. So real quick, before we move on to uh, three questions I ask every guest on the show, um, I want to pick your brain real quick about the future and what you expect moving forward. I mean, you've invested through in real estate throughout this uh, previous market cycle, and like you said, now we're you know, in COVID, hopefully we're toward the end of it. But what are your expectations? Are you bullish on multifamily for the next, uh, you know, 5, 10 years, whatever? What do you see coming down the road? Yeah, I, I I probably won't answer that directly. <laughs> but what I'll say is uh if, if you've ever read The
0: Black Swan uh by Nicholas Nassim Talib, he, he talks about black swan events and, and I'm probably butchering this, but you know, if I could say it simply, there are events out there you just kind of can't foresee. Like I I mean, yes, absolutely there were people that Bill Gates foresaw a you know a pandemic and how that would affect, but prior to the pandemic, everybody would have said multifamily was invincible and You know, I I don't know that I I don't think that it wasn't invincible. I don't think that it was during this pandemic. I think it definitely took its lickings in certain areas, but it 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 fared pretty well. But what else is out there that we're not thinking of that could happen that you know really does destroy multifamily? So generally speaking, I love it. I mean, everybody needs a roof over their head. You know, it's it's Maslow's hierarchy of needs, it's you know one of the very important ones. So I'm very I'm very bullish on it generally. I think a lot of people are getting into it that. Maybe you're overpaying or they're excited about it, and so they just aren't you know putting the real due diligence into it. and i and I'm scared that that will take even some of the better operators and and move them in that direction just so that they can get deals. So I, I don't know. I, I I think it will continue to do well. I think, as with anything else, it'll be cyclical. And I think you know at some point we might see a little bit of a pullback, decompression and cap rates, and then it'll be right back to where it was again. <laughs>
1: I think. Nice, nice. Right now, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. All right, Jeremy, I've got three questions I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? Let's do it. Great. First one: What is the best investment you ever made, other than in your education? Mm, I, I, man,
0: it was a, it was a fourplex deal in Colorado Springs, and it, it was one of those things where I, I was. Questioning whether I should buy it because of the cash flow, if it made sense and and it was kind of borderline. And ultimately I decided to pull the trigger just because, you know, I I don't want to get stuck in analysis paralysis. And my thought was, look, if if this doesn't go well, I I can hold it and I'll just have low cash flow. It's I'm not gonna lose the property. I was, I was very certain of that. Let me just go ahead and do it and i i bought it for i think it was like 350 and and i think i think a, a week or so before i closed uh somebody listed a a fourplex for it was like 500 i think so it's like 150,000 more than what i had just was was about to pay i was like nah that's not going to happen that's a pipe dream and it it they took it down off the mls and i was like see not going to happen <laughs> and then I think it was two or three weeks later. They put it back up for fifty thousand dollars higher, and then eventually they got it. And so, um, you know, you could do the math, but it it was a, it was a phenomenal payday, and and all on a deal that I was questioning really hard about doing. I think it was just, it was early 2018, I think, and I think people. Well, I think it was actually the end of 2017. So I I don't think
1: the real boom had hit yet. So that was a nice. nice deal nice we had the best investment now we go to the worst investment what is the worst investment you ever made it was was a single family
0: (laughs) (laughs) i i brought my mom in on a deal where i I was a little tight on cash i thought it was a great flip i thought it was a slam dunk and in the end i think what it was was it was across from a school and i i I, that's the only thing i could put on this to why it didn't sell for what i thought it would based on the comps around it but the funny thing was i i said mom can i use your credit? and we could either split you know we could just say hey you know you get half the profits i get half the profits or You know, I I would because it's the first time we've done this. I'd feel probably better if, if you know, I just gave you a flat, like I will give you, I forget what number we came up with, five, six, seven, eight thousand dollars for letting me use your credit. Obviously, you have to do all the paperwork and everything. You don't have to do any work, and then we'll sell it and it'll be done. And I was leaning towards that route of just giving it, you know, and and mind you, I had done several flips that were all very profitable, and so my mom, I think, was like, well, I want some of that. I want to want I want some of that upside, and I was like, yeah, but this is the first time I'm bringing you in. and and ironically this is the thank god we went that route i think i think it was six or seven thousand that that we agreed on and and that deal i didn't make anything she made her six or seven because i said you'd get it and i didn't make
1: anything so uh turned out in her favor but uh that was the worst rather have it that way than the other way around i suppose yes yes my favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson you've learned in business and investing yeah. You, you mentioned this earlier and I meant to ask you, what did you say again? Because I
0: hate being put on the spot. So here I am put on the spot. <laughs> say the question again.
1: I, what, I don't want to pay lip service to it. Sure. What is the most important lesson you've learned in business and investing? Uh, well,
0: probably, you know, it, it's going to center around people. I Can't do it myself. I thought I could, and I wanted to, and you know, I was kind of headed down that path. And I and I I I believed, like from a mental perspective, that yes, bringing a team together is you know the the synergy is better than just the individual parts. But I didn't really embody it or feel it deeply. Um, I just it was more of a a book lesson that I said, yes, the book says this, so that is true. And I think having worked with my partners now for God, what is it, six months? Let's call it. I'm starting to embody that. And, and, and that's a good feeling that, you know, a book lesson that I learned that the team is what's going to get it done and not the individual. Now I actually really feel that
1: truly. I, I would say that's probably the best lesson. Nice. Well, Jeremy, thank you for joining us today, bringing us all these lessons. It's been great talking with you again as well. It's been a little while since we chatted a couple of months. If folks want to reach out, if they want to get in touch with you, Learn more about what you're doing. Where can they find you?
0: Yeah, uh, probably the best place is go to our website, um, astraeq.com.
1: And, or you can email me directly, jeremy at astraeq.com. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us once again. To everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It's very much appreciated and it helps other people learn about the show, helps us rank higher in the algorithm and all that great stuff. If you know anyone who could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please share the show with them and bring them into the tribe. Thank you for tuning in once again. I hope you have a great rest of your day and we will talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.